parents welcome back to parenting on purpose your podcast for parenting out of the box where we parallel your self-development journey with your parenting journey and help you bring more peace and love and joy into your home and today we're honing in on the love part which is perfect timing for valentine's day uh very excited to have i'm gonna go ahead and say love expert paul zoman here with us today uh all the way from the west coast paul welcome to the show how are you i'm doing well caitlin thank you for having me on your show yeah, we're happy to have you. Uh, excited to chat love languages with you today and the tips that you have found through the years to help you integrate those into your life. And Paul knows a little something about having kids. Paul has eight kids and 17 grandchildren. That's awesome. So very great group. Good. Yeah, it's fun. Wow. Any great grand great grandchildren yet or not yet? Not yet. No. Nope. Okay. My oldest right. grandchild. My oldest grandchild is only 17. So. Hopefully not yet. Okay. Yeah, we got time. That's cool. You're going to have such a cool legacy though. Like I can imagine in like 20, 30 years, like getting the family together for like the reunion must, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. How cool is that? Uh, so Paul, start us off with one thing that you do every day to show up on purpose in your life. Great question, Caitlin. And one thing that I do every single day is I created a, a, a dice that I, that has the different love languages on it and everything that whatever there's just two instructions whatever you roll that day kind of sets the purpose for that day so cool. yesterday for example what i rolled was service and what that looked like caitlin was i went to church had opportunities to do service at church actually went to the hospital and had opportunity to, to comfort someone that was in a hospital he actually had to two different cancers that are kind of coinciding wow. doesn't look good for the prognosis for that individual but just being there to be with comfort him and comfort his wife and and some other neighbors that were very close to this individual he lives in my neighborhood as well in addition to that on the way home from church i stopped at a, a an assisted, assisted living home that has assisted living area and then it has a independent living area I play puzzle with the elderly people there, just get to talk to them. I mean, it's a quiet activity, but it's it's just really fun to just visit with them. You know, on the way out, I was, was walking and found a couple more elderly people to be able to talk to and just just try to brighten their life. There's there, Those people are really lonely most of the time, especially if there's yeah. several that do, don't ever have any visitors, um, hardly ever at all. So it was just well worth it to do that. At the end of the day, what it looks like, Caitlin, is that I'll try to record what I rolled, what opportunities I saw to love in that way, and then what I did about those opportunities. I love that. Yeah, we're all about intentionality and purpose on this show. So I like a few elements of that. There's some spontaneity. So whatever you roll for the day, that's what you focus on. And then it seems like you're journaling at the end of the day, or there's some intention or self-reflection around... Um, gratitude and what you did that day that brought value, which I'm sure gives you a lot of intrinsic motivation as well um, as you're wrapping up each day. So how cool is that? I love that. Thank you, Caitlin. It's journaling is a great way to decompress after a day, especially if it's a stressful day of, of any kind. You know, I, I'm trying to introduce this into the school system so that the kids actually take responsibility for their own actions. It's no longer as a teacher totally responsible for the kids' actions. Now the kids have to take some responsibility. I'm 
testing it in K through six right now. And those kids, so cool. they're very, very malleable, very easy, easy to be able to teach them the principles of the love languages. Uh, I, it's going very well. They're, the kids roll at the beginning of the day. It takes two seconds to roll the dice. The teacher may take 30 to 45 seconds to explain class. This is the type of behavior we're watching for today. And then at the end of the day, awesome. the child has to report. What did they do? How, how did they express love in that way? And then and what opportunities did they have to do that? And maybe the teacher will do a check mark and send it home with the child. But I would imagine that teacher's reading a few of those the next day. So the class, look what Johnny did yesterday. Look what Mary did yesterday. These are examples of the type of love that we're looking for. And it just becomes an opportunity to, for kids to learn all the love languages. Rolling this die actually will give you an opportunity to learn every single love language and have that love literacy to be able to have that foundation to be able to send it out. And that gives you the ability to see it when it comes your way. Uh, mm, Caitlin, that, it's a that. lot different, a lot different than what Dr. Chapman sets forth. I mean, most people will send out what they like, their primary love language, in hopes that it'll come back. This is sending it out without any regards of it ever coming back, not expecting it, but trusting the laws of the universe. <coughs> Excuse me, the law of the harvest, the law of, law of karma, law of attraction. Yeah. Any of those laws say that whatever you send out is coming right back at you. That's all so much packed into that. I love that. Like priming children to focus on the positives, um, priming them. It's like the reticular activating system. What we look for, we find in life. So looking for opportunities, uh, not only in yourself to provide that type of love, but seeing where it is around you um, makes them aware of probably uh, a lot, a lot of attention and focus and energy and love coming toward them that they might not see otherwise, right? Because in this day and age, unfortunately, we're kind of primed to look for opportunities and the negatives. And while that has pushed us forward as a species in life, which is great, in the day and age of mental health, it's really also great to focus on what happened well. And I just love the work you're doing and that you're bringing this mindfulness into schools and then the whole aspect of journaling into not only schools, but the lives of children. I have a 16 year old and a three year old, believe it or not. And I, I'm actually, I'll actually show you. So every day I journal, right? I love to journal and I don't have to go too far because most days my son likes to do a morning gratitude journal with us. And if we wake up and he's three, so you guys can see what that looks like, right? So he's grateful for monster trucks. And then that's our family in the corner over there. Um, but if I don't bring it up to him to gratitude journal, he doesn't want to start his day, right? He That's how he starts his day. He comes into my bed. He wants to snuggle me. And then he asks for my journal, which is always sitting right next to my uh, my bed on my my side table. So that love literacy, I think you, you called it, which is a fantastic term. Anything that we can do to help just interject a little bit of that into our kids' lives. So how cool is this? This is going to be a really fun episode. So I want to obviously get into the five love languages and talk a little bit about them what opportunities you see uh, to go deeper into the home space and help parents to not only love themselves better, but love their families better and just feel better about the whole bringing peace and joy you know, into the unit. But I do want to ask you first, this seems like a very cool uh, tool that you've developed. 
And I'm curious the, the genesis of that. Like, how did you decide to create this and what was going on in your life at the time? I mean, obviously, you have a very large family. Was this during the time you had kids? Um, I know for the for the audience, right? You and I have talked offline. So I'd love for you to kind of go through that for everybody. And then um, we'll kind of talk a little bit through the love languages. But I'd love to start there. Great. Caitlin, I, I was raised in a family that was really an angry family. And I didn't realize how angry the family was until uh, I had a sister-in-law that uh, kind of it blurted that out about 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, my that family is, is kind of a yelling type family. It's a family that will talk over you, thinking that what they have to say is a whole lot more important than whatever you're saying. That And by talking at the same time, nobody gets heard. No, nothing is, is understood. No no information is exchanged. That's the, the, there's all the put downs. I mean, by putting somebody down, it, this, the thought process was that it would elevate you. That's the kind of the culture, the angry culture had all the vocabulary of angry words, all the humor of angry words. And it was just, just a, a bad culture. I wanted, you know, I make, made the declaration like any 17 or 18 year old when they get to that point, they said, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to do what my parents did. But I didn't realize how generational this this was being passed down. My father had this uh, this thing that he would do. He'd stack annoyance on top of annoyance, on top of annoyance, on top of annoyance, until he had a flash of anger. And just an example of that, Caitlin, would be my mother and father dated every Friday night. I don't know how my father kept up that pace. I can't keep it up myself right now. But I don't, and I, I love that about my father that he valued my mother, valued women in that regard that they would date every single Friday night. He wasn't very creative about it. It was always the Maverick bar, always over alcohol. So I can imagine, I never was there, but I can imagine my mother starting at the top of 11 children and go, going down. I'm number 10. So by the time uh, that my mother gets to number 10, he's already been annoyed, 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 annoyed. He's ready to blow. And so I felt like I was the target of, as number 10 of a lot of that anger that it just happened. All the rest of the things that the other brothers were doing was annoying. I'm a thorn between two roses, older sister, younger sister, all the rest are boys. So it was wow. easy with, with him valuing women if I looked cross-eyed at my sisters, I was in big trouble. So it was it was that kind of family dynamics. But just that stacking of annoyances was really what I wanted to get away from. The other thing was that being critical of other people, thinking that you had the opportunity or the the responsibility, maybe is a better word for it, to manage the lives of other people. When in fact I realized that I don't I don't have to manage them. And when I realized that such a relief in my life. I felt a big burden off my shoulders. Oh, I'm, I'm not in charge of them. So I stopped being annoyed at of what they were doing. And it just made my life a whole lot better that I'm responsible for my own stuff. What I realized is that I'm responsible for sending love out and, and, and reacting when it comes my way as it relates to love. The transition for me 15 years ago, the stacking of annoyances and the angry flashes that I had just like my dad had, what happened is that my first marriage you know, uh, just fell apart. 
we divorced and, and I had primary custody of the five remaining children in the house and on weekends off, uh, on, on weekends that she would have the children, I decided I was going to have a midlife crisis and go destination dating. I was going to have some fun while, I've, while I'm doing this. While I'm single again, might as well have some That's fun. That's so awesome. So I, 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 it was fun. I would just find people that were online and in a different city. We'd pick a city. We'd meet in that city, have cool. a date, go back to go back to our cities. And I, I went to Daytona Beach, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, Atlanta, Columbia, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, New York City, Kansas City, Salt Lake City, Nashville, Cabo San Lucas, Phoenix, all these places, Las Vegas, all these places I went for a destination day. And it was so much fun for a year and a half that I, I spent more than $10,000 on dates just doing destination dating. And it was really a blast. But it, I, Caitlin, I was looking for love in all the wrong places, wasn't finding it. And that's so while I'm in that situation, I thought that I found had a, a good relationship brewing with someone from Phoenix. And so I moved there. But while I'm there, my ex-wife, it's about three and a half years after the divorce, she decides she wanted primary custody back. And I, I, she, her idea was that she's going to move in with her parents and then have the children get to know her, her parents. With three children left, I thought, you know what? I'm number 10 of 11. I didn't even know my grandfathers. And I barely knew my grandmothers. One was 350 miles east. One, another one's 350 miles west of where I lived in, in Montana when I grew up. And so we didn't get there very often. I thought this would be a perfect opportunity for the last three children to get to know their grandparents. And so I relinquished primary custody of those last three children to her. She took it, now I'm all alone. While I'm all alone, my sister, older sister, gives me a call and says she had a neighbor that she wanted to introduce me to. So I said, since I'm, I'm really not in the mood for destination dating again, it didn't work that time, why would I do it again? And, you know, as number 10 of 11, I don't have a lot of say in the family. So she says, oh, come on. I said, okay. And then I just, I decided I'm going to email, email her. And I said, I'll start with the email. She said, okay. So she gave me her email address. We started corresponding and she actually was a really good writer. And I thought, this is kind of fun. So, so after cute. about four or five, it's so cute. About four, so uh, after about four or five exchanges that way, uh, Caitlin, I asked, I got brave. He asked these big questions and no, no phone calls, no, no verbal communication, all email wow. so far. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting brave. I said, well, how many times have you been married? And she writes back and says, counting the five that are buried in the backyard. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's I it was hilarious. I roared with laughter. I thought I've got somebody who's got a personality. Somebody's got a sense of humor. This I want to pursue this a little bit more. So we started getting a little closer, and then I ended up moving seven hours away where my sister was living, moving up to to just make it a little bit more serious. We became serious. Now it's time for that big brother approval. So I take her 300 miles north to, to my brother's house. First thing that happens when we go in is my sister-in-law pulls her aside and says, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up was anger. At first, I didn't. I said, "Oh, uh, then it made me mad." And I thought, "Of course huh, it did. That's so funny." Of course it did. I just verified exactly what she said, and I realized that moment, Caitlin, I've got an opportunity to either continue with that, or or change it. And I decided, 
you know, I've got to change this. The, the I've got to change what people perceive the Zolman family as. Yeah. So I started looking looking at the color code, and then I was settled on the five love languages, just because I like the principles of the five love languages. I'm Christian, and, and Dr. Chapman was a Baptist pr- pastor, and he said that if you follow the the principles of the five love languages, it'll bring you closer to Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ did each one of the five love languages. He inserted them into his life. And this might be a good good spot to, to talk a little bit about that. But, but before we but, do though, I yeah. want to make a note because yeah. obviously this is a parenting podcast and I think it's worth, it's worth looking at that we come into this world with the upbringing that we've had. And um, whether you had a great upbringing or you haven't had the best upbringing, you get right. to draw a line in the sand when you become a parent, not even maybe a first time parent, maybe a second time parent or a third time parent or a second or third marriage. It doesn't matter where you are. What matters is that you have an um, inclination to want to get better and improve. Now, I look at that just as much as a self-love practice as the way you love others. You realize you deserve more. The world deserves more of you and you're ready to level up. Uh, I think you said that earlier, right? Like improving your standard of love for yourself and others. So kudos to you for recognizing that at such a young age. And then kudos to you for recognizing that you had fallen into patterns that you wanted to, again, draw that line in the sand and just move on from. I think if we're very honest with ourselves, we can all do that often. Uh, we probably should do it more, which is why I love the self-reflecting and the journaling, because it lets you see what you've done great. And it lets you also see in a, a, a more of a minute segment where you can improve tomorrow to constantly be on this journey of self-improvement, self-discovery and just enjoyment. Right. Because this is a journey. Right. We are on this ball hurling mm-hmm. through space and we want to really enjoy it. So I just invite the parents who are listening to this to soak into that message and just have some self-reflection maybe after this of what area moving forward can you do like today? What's one thing you can do differently after this podcast that will make your life, you know, 1% better or more and just uh, embrace that. And I know we're going to get into, uh, as Paul said, there's five different elements now, and then we'll learn different ways to do that. But um, the invitation has been, has been sent. (laughs) So, okay. uh, Over to you, Paul, please take us through some of that. And then the five, you know, the premise of the five love languages and how families can better integrate those into their home. I love that, Caitlin. I love what you just said. And let me just add this, that it was very, very uh, constructive for me to realize if I could put an adjective to what I was doing at that moment and then find out what's the meaning of that adjective and then find out what's the opposite of that adjective. It helped me understand which part of the spectrum. Now, now I've got a spectrum of anger that is identified that I'm still on that spectrum of anger how do I get to that loving spectrum? How did I get to that part, that side of the spectrum? And just for example, I take a word like sarcasm. Is sarcasm on the angry side of the spectrum or is it on the loving side? And it could be in jest and it could be loving, yep. but most of, the side, most of the time, it's really kind of an angry, angry attribute. And I realized, well, what's the opposite of, of sarcasm? And words like authentic or genuine came to mind. When I realized and put the, those three things on the table, said, so do I want to be authentic or do I, or genuine or do I want to be sarcastic? I think the choice was really easy at that point in time to be able to, to point myself, I want to be more authentic. How do I make my words match my actions? 
How does it become more authentic in that way? And I, as I'm practicing these love languages, what what I'm finding out uh, is that you know the the Dr. Chapman's theory of having a significant other wasn't working for me because I'm single at the time. Who in the heck am I supposed okay. to love, Dr. Chapman? Don't have that significant other. And then the idea came to me, well, I just have to love everybody. So the idea of loving everybody, sending out love to everyone all day, every day, it was exactly what I needed, Caitlin. I needed that replacement behavior. Instead of being critical and said, what's wrong with that person? Why do they do that? And trying to, man- yep. trying to manage their choices, I, instead of being annoyed in that way, I s- suddenly had this paradigm shift. So well, I need to think about what can I do? What could I love about that person? What's right about that person? What's good about that person? And I had that just, it's 180 about face, the stance that I started to take and watching for those opportunities love. And this this dice facilitated it, but let me just tell you how the dice came to be. I contacted- Okay, Dr. wait, wait one more question, then, then, I'm okay. gonna, then I'm gonna let you finish the Dr. Chapman okay. part. Um, okay, so how long did that take? Before you made this uh, mental focus of, I am going to change, this is what I want to work on, to this becoming more second nature, how many days or weeks or months of like consistent practice did you, do you think you went through to then like one, start feeling better, and then two, now start to develop like a practice around this where it became like an integrated part of your day? So one of the first things that I did, um, Caitlin, was I actually created a prototype. I had the idea of doing it as a game. Now, Dr. Chapman didn't have it as a game. And so I contacted Dr. Chapman about the love languages, asked him if he was licensing each one of the, the icons for the love languages. And his attorney wrote back after a couple of weeks, said no. So almost immediately, I created a prototype of what I thought uh, would work for me and made it a game. And this this is the prototype right here. Just oh, wow. it's like cool. a like a two and a half inch by two and a half inch block of wood, just and I, I laser engraved some icons on there so that whatever would roll, it would roll. But you'll notice that this this block of wood still has all the sharp edges. So in the sharp edges, when they dig into the carpet, it'll go thunk, thunk. And it almost is like a weighted dice that you could almost look at it and then set it in place so that you could roll it. Really wasn't very random, like I needed it to, to, but then I realized, oh, I'm the guy with the sharp edges. I'm the guy with the anger anger issues. I'm the guy that has the, has that that little rubbing off the corners just to knock off those sharp edges. And so I made another one that that I rolled that uh, beveled off the sharp edges. <clears throat> it rolled a lot better. And so while I'm doing that, I'm talking to a intellectual property attorney, a copyright attorney, and he says this. He says, theory like the love language theory is not copyrightable. Application is. And since they weren't doing it as a game, I was working on artwork, and it took two years for the artwork for this to come together. Right now, you see this two hands put together, the Taylor Swift love, the heart that that she sends out. This one's just a little little bit different. It has a, a conversation fly out from it. So this would be representative of the words of the heart. So I love you, the compliments you send out, those would be words for, for that particular day that we'd focus on. The next one is a hand holding an hourglass. 
representing time. Time, time is uh, something my wife loves. She loves to watch Korean dramas. There's no talking during, during that because we're busy reading the captions because we don't speak Korean. We're reading the captions. We're just enjoying it together and just spending time together in that way. So that's time. The next one would be service. That would, I described that a little bit earlier. Service is more like somebody that likes to have their car washed. They like the carpet vacuum. They like the trash taken out. They like your, your uh, shoes put away. They like those type of things done for them, just things that they like done for them. Next one is, is two hands touching one another, representing touch. And the, the last love language is a hand holding a gift, representing gifts. Five love languages, six sides on the cube. The, the last one that I created is a hand holding a question mark. That's surprised me. So on, on surprise me day, you're just watching for opportunities to do random acts of kindness. For the dice, awesome. there's just two instructions. Roll it every day, whatever it lands on. That's the love language you practice giving away all day that day, all day to everyone. And what you're doing is you're trying to improve your character, the threads of your character, so that you, you become a little bit better. You qualify for having better relationships. The second thing that happens is that, is that by giving all the love languages away, you can become very well versed in all the love languages. You become what I like to call a love language linguist. Sexy title, I know everybody wants a title like that. You put it on your resume. <clears throat> when you have it on your resume, just think about going to that employer. The employer said, what the heck is a love language linguist? You're gonna say, I just love people. That employer wants their customers love, and they want a loving environment within the workplace rather than a hostile environment. They want those things in the workplace and your resume should rise to the top for that. The, the next thing that happens is that, that it actually improves your skills to be able to see love when it comes your way. Most people like Dr. Chapman, and I agree with this, he, most people can only see their primary love language when it's sent their way. If it's something else, they might say it's nice, but it's not my love language. This way, you've got that peripheral vision now. You can see it when it comes your way and say, oh, they're loving on me. I can respond to that. Makes it makes a whole different relationship. Yeah, you mentioned something earlier that in your personal journey you went through, you wanted to send out love every day, and then you wanted to react when it came your way. So I think that speaks to what you're just saying is, in one way, we're kind of entitled and we're like saying, you need to love me in the way I deserve to be loved, the way I recognize as love. And what we're saying here is we have the capacity as human beings to love in many different ways. Now, while you may have something that lights you up more than others, um, it doesn't mean you can't recognize when other people are trying to give you earnest love. And this is a great way for you to do that is by practicing it yourself. Now that you have some, what is it like neural pathways, right? Now you've developed some neural pathways to understand that you're more able to recognize it. So what does that look like then when you obviously sending love out, I think makes a lot of sense intuitively. Um, and I also like to preface the ability to be creative around that. I think they're, the cool thing about what you made is you're giving a structure, but you're letting people be creative and whatever uh, happens to be around them, maybe um, that day, like during the holidays, my family always does random acts of holiday kindness where that's our advent calendar mm -hmm. from Thanksgiving to Christmas every day, we do a random act of kindness, whether that's like picking up uh, the Starbucks or the guy in the line behind us, or we see somebody um, you know, uh, out who, 
is like a vagabond or homeless, maybe taken for lunch or whatever that looks like that's appropriate. But there's a level of creativity and our, my children, depending on their age and what's appropriate for that age, we let them choose those things. Um, obviously, they want to make sure they're safe and all the things. But I love the creativity aspect. But what I want to ask you is the second part, the react when it comes your way. Talk to me about that, the importance of doing that. So you're solidifying it. And then, um, yeah, what does that look like? Caitlin, that's a great question. I think that it's really important to be able to be a receiver as well. And you want to be able to, uh, what, it, what it really looks like is that you've closed the communication gap. As Dr. Chapman had mentioned, most people only can see love in the way that they, they like to send it out or in their own love language. By creating this or broadening this a, a little bit and saying, well, I know all five love languages. Now I have a greater foundation I can see it coming my way and I can respond appropriately, even though pe people try. And I, I can see that I understand as I reflect on my own life, I can see that a lot of people were loving on me. I didn't even know it. I, I was almost yeah. a naive, uh, I was naive to it that they, that they were loving on me, but it wasn't really my love language. Now that I understand the love languages, I can see, I should have responded to that. I did not respond appropriately to that. So the, that response is only to be able to close that communication gap. They're loving on you, accept it as love. And, and to really do that, a case in point is that about a month ago, I, uh, I, I bought an electric bike uh, or, well, last year sometime. And about a month ago, I was riding it to Chick-fil-A in the morning because I wanted a breakfast sandwich. And I had my workout uh, clothes on and I'd forgotten I, I didn't have my wallet with me. So I'm in, I'm in line. There's one person ahead of me in line and then another person waiting for their food. And then I'm checking my, patting my, my pants and I realize I don't have any money. I don't have my wallet with me. I don't have any credit cards with me. I have nothing, nothing with me at all. And I, and I, so I start walking out, I put my helmet back on this guy that had been waiting for his food walks out and says, Come on back in. I'll buy your breakfast for you. And he gave me a $20 bill. So just give me the change. I spent four, four bucks for the breakfast. And, and it just the accepting of that kindness is something that really was helpful. That made his day. It made my day. And, you know, both people, this is a, this is a game, yeah. Caitlin, yeah. that everybody wins. And that's kind of a spoiler alert for the game. But everybody's going to win when you're practicing love like that. That's what look, receiving love looks like. That's what responding appropriately when it comes your way looks like. Such a great point and so valid because I think a lot of times we don't have the relationship we want. We don't have the self-worth uh, or the self-efficacy that we want because we don't work on the receiving. And it's very interesting to say that in such a hedonic society when you, you know, in the land of like Uber and fast food and like everything can be delivered to you in a second, everything's instantaneous, but we haven't learned to really receive in like the authentic love type of way. And so I just think that's beautiful because when you can recognize those type of things, it does. And everyone has had those moments they can relate to where it's like, Oh, I am worthy of this or, or someone took care of me today. And that made me feel really good. And I deserve to feel good. And I deserved, and I have the ability to help other people feel good as well. We have this book, that I read my uh, three-year-old, I actually kept it since my, my eldest daughter was now 16, was um, 
probably a little older than three, but it's around the same age. And it's called How Full Is Your Bucket? And it teaches this concept to kids about when you start the day with like a half empty bucket or half full, right? Half full, half empty. And every act that you do throughout the day can either um, put a drop in someone's bucket or it can deplete it. And in kind, when something happens to you, it either uh, adds to your bucket or it takes it away. And then the, you know, the story goes, as the kid goes through his life, he realizes as he's nice to other people uh, and he does nice things, like first, first someone does something nice to him and it makes him feel better. Then because he felt better, he wanted to pay it forward and he did an act of kindness or an act of service for someone else. And then he realized, oh, I put a drop in their bucket and I got one too. So it's just like a really powerful visual for kids and to understand their integration with that. And I think as adults, we can sometimes lose sight of it. So I think working and recognizing the receiving of love in any form is really, really helpful. It also makes me think of the self-love. We probably have opportunities throughout the day to practice all five of those on ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. uh, all five of those love languages. And so whether it's rolling the dice or picking something that feels in service to you, but having a chance each day to integrate that into your life, I can adventure um, after just a week or two of practice is going to really make you start to see things a little bit differently, which is what this whole process is about. So I think that's really cool. Thank you for walking us through that a little bit more. Um, what is the number one question you get about the love languages from, I know you integrate this in schools, you obviously work with clients and obviously you have, um, you know, you sell it on different platforms. What is the number one question you get around love languages? I think that there's probably the number one question that I get, Caitlin, is that people don't know what their love language is and how do, the question is, how do I discover what my love language is? It's easy enough to discover what others are because how they light up. And so I just turn that back around to them and say, well, what lights you up? What is it that makes you excited about the day? So it's it's really not trying to put have them take a survey and put them into a box that says, this is all you're going to get. Caitlin, you're going to eat tacos the rest of your life because I know you love tacos. You're going to get it every meal of your life for the rest of your life because that's the box we put you in. This is provides the variety of uh, rolling the die provides that variety. And, and it just gives an opportunity for people to discover what do they like. There's a lot of things that I like giving away. I like giving service away. I like giving compliments away. But for receiving myself, I, I used to be physical touch because that's what I thought love was when I was younger. That's if I wasn't being whacked, I didn't feel like I was being loved. So that was obviously my first primary love language, but it's really evolved now, Caitlin, to more of a, the, the words that just the words and, and the words that people use really are more meaningful to me. It may, helps me understand them a little bit better. And I think that that communication style is really a, a style that people can express themselves. And some people express better than others, but it's just a way for people to express themselves and say what they love. And I, I like that that part of it. And then I think that um, as far as question goes, that's that's probably the biggest question. Second thing is, how do I apply it to my life? How do I learn all the love languages? And the dice is actually a great tool for learning all the love languages. I tested this, Caitlin, with a family of five children. Their, their uh, youngest was four years old. One day, one day, the youngest, the four-year-old, rolled physical touch. And he's jumping up and down pumping his fist and say, yes, physical touch, physical touch, and immediately went to beat up on his brothers. He thought that, oh, and wow. maybe that's, that's what, maybe that's, maybe that's what his brothers had done for him. That's what he thought. Sure. 
and he 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 thought that by rolling that on that day it gave him permission now to go beat up on his brothers. He wasn't going to be reprimanded by his mom, and it was it was just permission to do that. But it, the you know, mother's trying to hold back all the laughter, thinking I wasn't expecting that, and say, right. "Son, this would be more appropriate physical touch." And with the siblings there, it became wow. a teaching yeah. moment. And I think think that that's sure. that. How can you use the love language as a teaching moment? Is another big question that I get. And parenting is such a brutal mirror, right? Of all the things you do great and all the things that you need to work on. And I love watching kids, uh, even in my own, my own children, again, 16 and three, like at the way that they react to things. And I'm like, and what about my leadership has caused that, right? Like that radical responsibility. And again, not looking at it as a self detriment type moment, but like, what can I learn from that? And how can I do this better so that I can show them the, the, a, a better version, the 2.0, the better best. Again, circling back to your dad and your upbringing is, and I have an incredible parent. I mean, I have incredible parents and I had an amazing upbringing. I was very lucky in that way. So I think it put me in a beautiful place to be able to take in our daughter and adopt her and love her at the early age I was allowed, able to, but we can still level up. And I think that's our responsibility as parents is to, no matter where you were, uh, kind of how to have that come to Jesus of like where you want to be as a person and then what steps can you take to get there? So uh, that that's awesome. Uh, I wanted to like have you wrap up by just giving us maybe one or two last minute tips on, and it doesn't, it can be about the dice or just in general, what you've learned by integrating this stuff into schools. It can just be love languages in general. What are one or two things parents can take away and start doing immediately in their life after listening to this podcast that can help them elevate the how did you say it? Improving the standard of love in their home. Great question, Caitlin. I think that one of the things I really love is is a, a classic movie called Sound of Music, and in that in that movie, Rolf is like 16 years old and he's in love with Maria, and Maria's the Bontrops have this big beautiful mansion. She's she's at the second story window. Rolf has ridden his bike like he does to deliver the mail, and he puts his bike down, and he starts singing the song. In the lyrics of the song, he says, love in the heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love till it's given away. And I really think that if we take that to heart as a parent, that we're really going to understand that when we send love out, we're putting it into a bank account. We're sending it into a, a space that's going to come back. We're sending it out without any expectation that it's going to come right back to us. But one thing about anger is that if we send anger out, that's going to come right back and it'll come back with a vengeance. We don't, we don't want to set it up like that. Like you said, Caitlin, that we're a mirror. Parents are mirrors for themselves. That, that Anything we send out is going to come right back to us. Let's send the love out. Make it that determination early in the morning, every day to send love out. Choose what love, what style of love that you might want to send out that day watch to discover what your children's love language is for your children. Just try to try to um, remember what they light up at, what really lights so them up. And then and then you can wash, rinse and repeat for that for that individual. For other individuals, it might might be different. And that's one way that you'll learn the different personalities, the different loving personalities of each one of those little individuals that you that you're raising, or those teenage individuals, any individual, you'll learn what their love language is, and you can 
you can send up more of that, just like I said, wash, rinse, repeat. And I think that's the best thing that we can do. Look at them in the, what the yoga, uh, at the end of a yoga class, you, the teacher will say namaste. Namaste is, is from a Sanskrit dialect in Northern India, also a different language. We're talking about languages here, but the Hindu interpretation of that is the God in me sees the God in you. Or in other words, okay. the divine in me sees the divine in you. Let's watch for the good in, in every one of us. Quit focusing on what's wrong with people. Quit focusing on the mistakes. The media will focus on that. Let them do that. But the better way the, to raise that standard of loving in our own own homes is to watch for what's right about people. We can do that in our homes. That's beautiful. Focus on what, what's right with the world and what's right in your family and what's right within yourself. And then just give that room to grow. I love that. I love this opportunity for kids to explore uh, what they like and depending on the age of your children. And I don't really think it's too early to start. Like my three-year-old and I have conversations like this all the time. Um, example, the other night he had a bad dream and I wanted him to feel empowered about it. So we got some incense and some spray and he got to walk around the house and say his little prayer and then bless the home with positive new energy. And then he got to go to sleep. Like we have the tools to give our kids so that they feel empowered to take on and to thrive in this life and to understand it better. So I think that's a beautiful, what Paul said is a beautiful way for us as parents to show it. And then, then bringing our children in on that and then celebrating when they do, I can just see lots of fun little games and stuff that come up or letting different kids roll each day. And that's just what a beautiful mm -hmm. gift that you gave the world. And I would venture to say equally as beautiful as the gift you made is the gift that you gave by going through that self-transformation and sharing that story. Because I know a lot of people who would want to just basically tell the truth about how they've evolved. And how I like to wrap this episode is by focusing on we are all the masterpiece in the making. We are all going through our own transformation. It's a blank canvas and there's a bunch of like stuff thrown on there from our past experiences and our actions it might not look like much from this vantage point. But as we continue down the path and we step back, we can see the things kind of coming together. And that is why I started this podcast to take people's journeys and to show them at an vantage point so we can be inspired as parents to keep going and to keep trying and thriving. Because if you're to get 1% better every day in a year, you're 365% better. And that's not a bad place and the world would be in a better place because of it. And I know that's exactly the work you're doing in the school system right now, which I greatly appreciate. So this was wonderful. Thank you for being here. Can you please wrap us up, Paul, by sharing with our families where they can find you, um, what you're working on, all of that good stuff. Thank you, Caitlin. They can find me at rolloflove.com, R-O-L-E of love.com. And I did a play on words. R-O-L-L -L is what you do with the dice outside of you. The, in things outside you really shouldn't change you, but the di the really difference that will happen is the ROLE, what changes you, what what you decide to do. I love your analogy too, and I like I like this this picture that I have right behind me is a picture of a of a sun sunrise, and about uh, fifteen uh, probably about twenty years ago, I was a route driver. I woke up before dawn, and I came back after sunset. So I would see sunrises, I would see sunsets. Caitlin, it took me six months to realize that the very best sunrises and the very best sunsets all have clouds. We all have our stuff that we're going through in our life, but 
after we're through it, we'll see the, we'll see the silver lining on the clouds. We'll see the beautiful sunrise or we'll see the beautiful sunset by going through it. And I just hats off to you for making better parents out there and helping parents have the tools they need to be a better parent, be a better person and create better little people, better big people. So awesome. They will become better big people much faster than we want them to. (laughs) I am constantly buying my son new clothes. And I love your analogy. And then as you were going through that, you really sunk to me in. I was enjoying that. And then I looked at the, the painting behind you and I thought, and the beauty and the reflection, right? How often, like whenever I'm going by a lake, I love to see the skies view in the reflection. There's something so beautiful about seeing it in someone else. Think of yourself as a parent. What was the thing you were most excited to do? It's like probably show your kid your favorite movie or take him to your favorite sporting team or do those things and get to relive through that. So sometimes it's just stepping back enough to just remember that this is really all about love. And yes, we have to pay mortgages. Mm -hmm. And yes, we have things to do. But giving our kids the tools so they can start to navigate life and still find those joys. And which is why I hats off. And I love people like you, Paul, who bring that into the world and just give us that, like I said, not only the tool to do it, but the example that, Hey, we can make something really beautiful out of our life too. And that's what it's all about. So Paul, thanks again for being here. You were wonderful. And parents, you guys know the deal. We will be here every Thursday until I go into labor. And then we'll be here every Thursday, a few months after that. So we look forward to sharing the rest of the season with you guys. <laughs> until the next perfect time, everybody. Stay beautiful and stay inspired. See you guys soon. Bye. Thank you, Caitlin.